0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon, and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. If you are expecting in the next couple of months, I'd love to hear from you. One of you lovely listeners gave me a fantastic idea that I'm going to run with immediately. So as I said, if you're a dear little baby soon, you can contact me via DM on Instagram or you can get in touch through the website and my email address is there as well. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. In this week's episode, I chat to Lisa and she talks me through her three pregnancies and births. Lisa decided to go down the hospital route with her first two little boys and then she opted for a home birth with her little girl, Fela. So she... Chose her midwife, um, Laura, who she actually knows personally as well from home, through Private Midwives Ireland and she talks us through all the gorgeous details there and it's really nice to hear the perspective of someone who works in the medical field. So Lisa is an emergency doctor as well. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Lisa, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. If you want to just start off by giving us a little introduction to you and
2: your family. Yeah, perfect. So my name is Lisa Cunningham, or Guthrie, so Guthrie is the married name, and I live in Ballinac, County Mayo. I have three kiddies, so I have Cotl, who will be coming seven uh, at Christmas time, and then I have Kuan, who's four and a half, Good on five actually in February, and then Fela, who's 20 months. She'll be two in uh, February as well, so two birthdays in February. So yeah. three so far anyways.
1: <laughs> and do you want to just talk us through your first pregnancy then? So was your first pregnancy planned?
2: Yes. So all of them were very much planned. Um, so my husband and myself, were married today. it'll be 10 years next year. I am an emergency doctor, so my husband has his own business. So everything was very much thought out in relation to my training scheme. Okay, we want to have babies. Where are we going to fit them in along the way? Um, so all of them were very much on point. And I was very lucky that, you know, he just had to blink at me and a baby was in there. So it was really, really fortunate each time that we were planning for them that it was within the first month that we were able to get pregnant, which is great. Um, Cahill, all my pregnancies have been fantastic, I will say. I actually, I am one of those people that do enjoy being pregnant. Even okay. if I'm around at eight and a half months pregnant in an emergency department with a big, massive bump, I still really enjoyed pregnancy. I didn't have any complications. Now, if there was any, you know, high blood pressure or very bad sickness, I'm sure I'd have another story to tell. But everything was actually just quite good for me. So Cahill um, pregnancy was just fantastic. It was really good. Like I said, you'd be working long hours in the emergency department. But it was very nice when you would have a bad resus, say that was going on or something happened that's quite bad. And you might be breaking bad news inside in your scrubs. You could feel the baby kicking inside. It was just mm. a very very weird but kind of a surreal moment that you'd have and I had that on each one of the pregnancies working in the emergency department and it just kind of gave me that little extra sense of being so grateful for what we had mm. um so everything was absolutely great with we went into <laughs> went to labor on the day of my due date everything was just so well organized for me
1: so what um care route did you go down so did you go public semi-private or private
2: Oh, oh perfect so I went to public on on all my pregnancies so living in Mayo we don't really have much of an option for private as in private hospitals there are no private hospitals in Mayo and it's actually very interesting that you talk about that because when we were planning for Cahill, um, I made sure that the health insurance was to the maximum of the maternity benefit like everything was going to be there um, and three Sorry, two things that I was really adamant for was um, to have access to the lactation consultant afterwards and to have. There's this really nice aspect of having domestic home help that um, part of your package would be that somebody would help you clean the house basically for two or three weeks afterwards. I was unable to avail of any of that. Because they were not available in Mayo, which really made me angry that that was, you know, discussed with me, knowing that my address is in Mayo, but knowing that my lactation consultant, the only place that will be available, which was Galway, which is about... Three hour round trip, which I wouldn't have been doing that with a new baby. um The other thing was the domestic home help. So they said that they had no cleaning services available in Mayo, but if I wanted to see and get somebody um, and get a receipt and uh, submitted it, it may be accepted. So I was really annoyed with that after the first pregnancy. That after that, I really dumbed down on all my maternity benefits because it wasn't worth it for me. I went public because I think my experience in the hospitals would tell me. That regardless of public or private, you will get the exact same care. So, if you have an emergency at three o'clock in the morning and a consultant needs to be there, whether you're public or private, that will happen. So, regardless of what you have. Now, it may be different if you wanted to go into a special hospital that is private that will cater for that, but we don't have that in Mayo. Um, so, went to public on all of the kiddies. And I suppose the consultant I, I would have known, anyways, in this the Caspar, where I delivered. And I remember after. Cottle was born and we could chat about him in a minute but when, after he was born he kind of just came a little bit quicker in the end and the consultant said to me the following morning you know she was watching my progress from home um and she was like I'm sorry I didn't get it on time and I said I wouldn't have wanted to see you coming in the door because if I saw you come in the door I would have assumed something was wrong not as a professional courtesy so when the second time round would go on I it's sure to say to the consultant again I was like you know don't come in please and if you do that's what's going to heighten my anxiety if I think something is wrong uh, with cotton, though, everything was very well, like I said, I did on the, day of my, um, on the day of my due date. And being a doctor and being pregnant are two total different realms. Like, I mean, you take off your hat and leave your doctor hat at the door and you just let, you know, you put yourself into the hands of the midwives and the doctors inside. Because yeah, I've never been through this experience before. You can read all the books as much as you want, but there's absolutely nothing, you know, that's going to prepare you for that regardless of being a doctor or any other profession that you're in so
1: you prepared t- did you do any antenatal classes or had, oh yeah you have any preferences oh you did okay
2: yeah I did yeah yeah I done it with um, my public health nurse that was here um and again my husband is on medical so going in and kind of seeing the, tr- the traditional antenatal classes and the old pictures of what a labour looks like now I'd I'd see many deliveries because I had done paediatrics as well like I've done placements on it it's very different when you're in your own kind of labour my husband had not um, and it was quite interesting to talk to him afterwards about his because I was happy out looking at these pictures he was like Oh gosh, you know, that's yeah. a bit that's a bit extreme. But saying that, you know, my husband was very excited and wanted to see what was going on down below for the labor and seeing the kids being bored. So I I, I couldn't care less. I was like, yeah, grand, okay, you put it in there, so it's fine. I yeah. mind just seeing it coming out. <laughs> Where some women will be very different. I, I'm not like that. I would have been very open. So I do my antenatal classes. Yeah, definitely. I done them over a series, I think, of four or five weeks, um, in our local center here with different moms as well. And I, I like I really enjoyed it. it you also kind of knew the people that you were going to be going out the other end with which I didn't realize at that time because it was my first pregnancy you know going out to the breastfeeding classes afterwards or going out to the mammy and baby group afterwards you know these people were still on your journey and yes. I'm still friends with some of these people now that's oh, seven years later yeah mm. um so it was yeah it was quite nice
1: and did you have any preferences in terms of how you wanted your labor and birth to go so did you want to go pain free <laughs> well not pain free sorry um uh medication free
2: no, I sorry, I did actually. I wanted epidural. <laughs> that was my one thing. I used to say, I used to tell everybody, I was like, I wanted two things epidural. So I'd split them up into two. And it was interesting because I so I delivered in December, but while I was on placement for like the year beforehand, one of uh, the SHOs that I had worked with, Colin, uh, Colin was his name, he ended up going down to Cassie Bar where I delivered on anesthetics before he left and I was just newly pregnant I remember saying to him and we got on very very well I was like I really hope you're on the day mm-hmm. that I'm due because I want you to do my epidural and he actually was on the day that I texted oh, cool. him. I was like you know do you want to come for the epidural and it was it was really really nice because some people would say oh would well, you not want the consultant to do it but like I would have known Colm done so many epidurals like six or seven a night when he was on call whereas a ep- consultant you know I wouldn't have known them I wouldn't have been as au fait with them. So I was really happy that Colin had to be on and done my epidural. So I I did want a pain-less or pain-reduced um, delivery, but I didn't know any difference. And it, it is interesting because it changed throughout the subsequent deliveries that I had afterwards. So when Cahill, you know, everything was great. He did a, did the waters go yeah the waters went everything was kind of ticking along nicely I was on my CTG trace and I was kind of a little bit stuck around the three centimeters mark I remember um in labor and it's just I wasn't progressing as quickly as they would have liked um you know the hour per centimeter so I was up on the oxytocin drip which was definitely a lot sore that I had anticipated so that's why it was very keen for the epidural so I remember getting the epidural and it was a very wintry sleety night and it was about I don't know like six o'clock in the evening or something like that and I remember the midwife kind of said okay that's it now nice and comfortable and I was I was nice and chilled the husband was going to go off and get a cup of tea and the lights were kind of turned down in the room and I remember looking out the window and it was just a beautiful like winter's evening I was all nice and snug and then probably about 20 minutes later um maybe even 30, the, the epidural had kicked in. I could see the contractions kind of going on the CTG, but I couldn't feel them, you know, it was great feeling. But then I just got this feeling that I needed to kind of extra pressure down below or I needed to push or something like that it was definitely different. And obviously you're told that when you get the epidural, you know, it kind of prevents, you know, the nice surge in labour. You end up getting a little bit of a delay, a little bit of a slowdown. Everything is nicely chilled. So I had no idea what was going on that this feeling that I was getting and I remember the call bell was behind me in the bed but the bed was also off at a kind of 45 degree angle in a very nice comfortable way and my, I had the epidural and I was like how the hell am I going to get the call bell? Yeah. <laughs> so I had this kind of panic for about five minutes and I was like I had to kind of shove myself around the bed to try and reach back and not be able to feel anything from the waist down but I think maybe there was a bit of movement to maybe I'd move the C- CTG because, you know, the midwife came in more or less straight away to see if I okay. And I felt really silly because I was like, I know I've had that for only half an hour, but I feel this pressure. Um, Yeah, and I was ready to push, okay. which I was kind of, I felt a bit cheated. I was like, Where, where's my nice, little my nice sleep? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and actually, so my husband had actually taken my phone as well off me. So he's like, you know, you need to go to sleep. You need to chill out. So he'd taken my phone and... Uh, the midwife had just had a quick exam, and she's like, "The head is right there. We're ready to go." Where's the husband I was like, "He's gone for a cup of tea. Ring him." I was like, I "Don't have a phone," so it was kind of a bit of a panic. Like, and so Bernard kind of just managed to come back. They they rang him. Like, I get the number for him to re- to be called to come back in because I was like, "There's no way I wanted him to miss the firstborn," mm. and. um I think the most, like, again, not even knowing anything about what was going to happen or would I be able to feel these surges or pushes or contractions. I was able to feel something definitely. And the midwife just guided me perfectly through it. And I will happily say that five pushes out again. And it was, yeah, I know this, I feel really bad saying all this because it's like textbook that everything just went really, really well. One thing I do remember being having this kind of really innate feeling that I wanted to deliver on my side. I have no idea why, because obviously everything you see is everybody on their back and their Mm. legs up for whatever. Uh, I went on my side and I was kind of holding my left leg up, which sounds really like contortionist. um, I won't be flexible enough anyways. And I just remember being on my side and it was absolutely great passage. Cahill all the kiddies are actually OP coming down socks posterior okay. so my labor pains were definitely all around the back and the lower buttocks um and they, they turned as they would coming out anyways and um yeah it was great I didn't have any stitches didn't have any tears um and it was just a nice it was a really nice moment Bernard was the husband was absolutely elated with it like and he got to see the whole delivery as well yeah because so it was great yeah, brilliant yeah 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 so that was really good and actually I remember so that was 22nd of December um I got out then on the 23rd of December um and I wanted to get home like uh, you know I was really keen to get home and the house was all decorated the family had everything done and I remember oh, if I think about it now how stupid I was but anyway it was 24th of December Christmas Eve I was down in Costa like with the new baby yeah I don't know if like I didn't get out of my pajamas for a month for the next few two deliveries yeah. so you know Bernard had done all the Christmas shopping and we were just kind of chilling with a new two-day-old baby out in Costa um, and it wasn't I think about bringing a two-day-old baby out what I think about it now, I mean you know even for yourself you need to be nicely chilled for the few weeks afterwards, then not have any pressure. And looking back, I definitely felt the pressure on myself. I put it on myself to be up and out and seeing it's Christmas time. You need to go visiting people. i remember been in my mother-in-law's house on Christmas Day and my milk came in sure I hadn't got a clue what to do or anything like that. Um, and go to Christmas mass three days later as well. So now when I think about it, you know, take that time mm. to really chill out. And as I said for the last one, I had an arse screw in my chair from me not moving for nearly a month afterwards like and I was happy with that you know
1: yeah I think it on your first year definitely well you're on a high as well and it's so new that you
2: yeah I was and it's saying, Christmas time as well it's yeah. just everything is just go go go
1: and you do feel obliged as well to show off the new baby as well so
2: yeah that pressure is really believe me I learned my lessons for the next two like I but I think back at it um I put the pressure on myself to do it. And I would always say to new mums not to do that, to really chill out.
1: So then your second pregnancy. So tell me a bit about that and
2: how that was up. That was planned as well. Yeah, that was planned. Yes, that was great. Yeah, cool on. And um, everything was great, really good. I did have, um, there was a scare during the pregnancy because I was um, actually exposed in the emergency department to a patient who had measles. And I remember that was a really... scary time because I'd had my vaccinations um in college at the MMR but I do remember getting months when I was on my J1 visa so I knew that whether it didn't take as well as it should have etc so anyways there was a bit of a it was about a day or two later after I had been into this patient who was a young patient who had um spots all over and there was actually a query about meningitis and there was a younger doctor that was in and he had called me in to ask me Um, I was only 11, 12 weeks, 10 weeks pregnant, maybe at this stage. Um, So it was first trimester, early first trimester. So I went in and I I, kind of, well, I did get up. I had an apron and gloves on me. And I remember being really into this patient because like the spots were definitely unusual. This patient had all their full vaccinations, et cetera. Um, So it was about two or three days later, I overheard nurses speaking about the measles case that they had um i was a little bit annoyed over it because i didn't get a proper follow-up from the arc health in the hospital that i was in with that um and i remember it was an august bank holiday weekend and i was just told oh look if you have any symptoms you know just go to your gp <laughs> and I was thinking, now, I had my you GP-
1: told work at this stage or are you obliged to tell them as soon as you find out considering <laughs> no, no
2: no no i hadn't i had told one or two of my consultants but they weren't on that day like and it wasn't um like even at work when we tell them that we're pregnant, uh, which I found out in my third pregnancies, they have they should do uh what is it, a health and safety form. Yeah. So that that was never done on me ever for the three pregnancies. But it was only on my third pregnancy that I realized uh what that form actually entailed. So th- they wouldn't have known really much about it. I did ring Doc Health and be like, What's the story? What will I do? I am pregnant and um they were like, oh, I'm sure you're grand with the vaccinations. I was like, well, I did get mumps before, so I don't know if it was a and more that didn't really take as well as it should have. Um, so anyways, bang on the 10 days later, I end up getting a rash in my neck and a rash around my stomach. And I remember having to ring Castle Bar and my friend was working there. And, I, you know, I rang her and I told her the history. um, And I was like, you're, you're going to have to get a side room, an isolation room for me just to get the bits and pieces done. And so we went in. And I had a temperature as well that evening as well up there. So there was a week of waiting for my titers to come back from Galway. Um, they came back on the Thursday and they were, what's that word, unequivocal. So they didn't have a yes or a no answer to me. So I had to give a stool sample. And in that meantime, Cahill, my, he was only just going on two at this stage. He had got a rash as well. The crash oh was on to me about everything. It was just absolutely, so there was a big stress for about two weeks during that pregnancy um now everything came back as fine um but I had obviously some sort of viral infection but it just made me realize uh, that we're important that you know stop all your going so from that moment on I I did not go in to see any patients that had any rashes no rashes at all and if anybody came to look for me I would say to the consultant would have to go in or get the consent of the patient to take a picture of the rash and bring it out to me because I'm not going in I'm not exposing myself to that the other thing was um I was also Reese's uh, negative. So I wouldn't go into patients that were, um, if they were at risk of seizures, so if there was an epileptic patient, because if I got a hit in the stomach, that means I would have to go get my NTD and I will be off work as well. So okay. I was very much from that instant, really protective of what I went into. I would not put myself in the situation that if there was a combative patient, which we get a lot in the British department, um, I, I'm like, nope, sorry, I'm not going near them for my own safety instead. But, you know, other things, you know, every if I was going to see a meningitis patient I would gown up appropriately um for that so it's only and that would be normally life and death situation for patients that you would have to go and do triple antibiotics etc for that patient but like I would have what we have now is in the full pp which we're all aware of now mm. but that would be what you will be wearing anyways going into effective cases in the emergency department that's what okay. that's what the normal would be like
1: it's funny actually you said about the, the health and safety forums because I think in a lot of places there's there it's not there there's a should be assessments carried out and it's just not yeah just not carried
2: out so when I saw that on my third pregnancy uh I would have ticked every box to say that I, need, <laughs> I needed to be locked in a room somewhere and not allowed to do my job so yeah. you know there there is there is a balance you have to do as well because I loved absolutely loved my job and I still love my job doing it um but I, I just found myself that I started limiting myself as in that I would not go to see these certain patients that would be more of a risk for me yeah. so yeah but other than that, I mean, we on everything else. Went absolutely swimmingly throughout the whole lot. All my antenatal checks were great. I done I done another antenatal class as well. I don't think you can get enough of the pre information mm-hmm. to get yourself into the zone. Um, and then I um, the day of his labour, no, actually, so I didn't. I, my waters kind of started trickling the day beforehand. Um, and I went up to get the test done to see if the if the waters were there and it was so they decided to keep me um because if your waters are going to go for more than 24 hours then you're at risk of having an infection that could potentially enter so I went in I was just probably about two days over um with him but it doesn't make a difference anyways the due date is never recall was the <laughs> the perfect due date child but like it didn't happen after that um so I got kept in anyways, got the epidural again. But I think throughout my labour, the same thing was happening as well. He was OP, um, the back and bottom pain with it. Um, it stagnated a little bit, got put on the oxytocin, the drip again. Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, OK, I definitely need the epidural. Now, I remember with getting the epidural, I was sitting getting the epidural and something just changed with me. I had had, did I have pepidine at that stage once off and it was just, it was horrible. I puked everywhere. It was, it was just not a nice experience with the Pepidine. The gas and definitely wasn't doing anything for me because I couldn't concentrate on it to do it. Um, so I relatively was, you know, ramping up and I needed the separate But something changed while I was sitting there. And I remember saying to the midwife and to my husband that I really had the urge to push. And again, was kind of going, you're fine, you're okay. The narcissist is just here now preparing. And I remember trying my best not to push. So it was kind of holding myself but I was kind of having a bit of a shake to myself and I'll never forget this because I'll never forget looking at Bernard and the midwife who kind of looked at me as if to say what the hell is she at but I was preventing myself from pushing that's what was happening so the epidural went in and I just said I lay down on the bed I said sorry lads I feel I need to push and then it was like oh the head is here and I was like I know I've been sitting on it for the last like seven minutes and I remember the, the anesthetist, you know, kind of flew through with the drip and I was like, sorry, there's no time. And I literally just turned myself onto the side the exact same way with Cahill, lifted the leg and went to push. This is this quarter past nine in the morning. And I remember I was turned towards the window and the consultant was coming in after just doing his rounds. It was the consultant that was on call for the day and four medical students went in as well. So they came in while my bum was to the door while I was mid-push. And I remember just saying to Bernard, midwife, please, like, absolutely no, out, out, out. And being a doctor myself, I would never have said that. But I was like, this is the most inappropriate time for them to come in. And the position I was in was not what I wanted them to be seeing. So they went out. And literally five pushes later, Kuan came out. So he literally was the exact same as Cahill. And again, I had no... Tears, everything you know was fine. I didn't have any problems or anything like that down below. Um, my sister had come in, she, I think she was working at Caspar at the time, and I was texting her, you know, just before I was getting the epidural. And of course, this was like nine o'clock, and now I just delivered at 9 30. And the midwife just afterwards said, I think my sister is my twin as well. Like, she's like, Your twin is outside. And I was like, all right, okay, did you tell her? Because I haven't told her anything because you told her the last time that you were just getting ready for the epidural. And of course, she thinks that everything was kind of going to be. And normally they wouldn't let anybody into the labour ward, but she's like, can I let her in? Oh my gosh. So Michelle came into the labour suite. It just, I would say, 10 minutes after Kuan was born, like, you know, down below was definitely not a nice place, but like I had the sheet over it. And she had a, a little bunch of flowers. And even though she knows that she shouldn't be bringing them into the hospital, but she didn't know that I had the baby. So I was sitting there with the baby uh-huh. and literally the flowers, I mean, she just becked them to the side. <laughs> <laughs> and she kept running over to you. So it was really nice. Like she was the first person to kind of know outside because we hadn't texted anybody or told anybody, even at that stage as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was Kuan. And that was the 9th of February and everything was just fantastic. Like really, really good with him afterwards. I had the same public health nurse. I had a fantastic Uh, Breastfeeding group, everything was just really, really good afterwards with him as well. Had a nice uh, six and a half months off work as well, but I was definitely ready then to get back into work again. And I think afterwards I totally kept myself, I think it was nearly St. Patrick's Day when I ventured outside, really, um, which is nearly a month and a bit later. And I was so happy just to have that time together excuse me, but cool on Cahill still went into It It's always a common thing that people ask me is that, what did you do with, you know, did you take him out of depression? I think, no, because I thought it was important with Cahill to keep his routine as well. Mm. But also it was important for me to bond and be, you know, in some way sane at home as well with another newborn baby. So I probably went back to work then probably after about three or four days as well. But I have such, I have a load of family around me. So it was, it was lovely. They were able to help out then. My nice support system. And
1: how, yeah. did, how was your breastfeeding
2: journey? my breastfeeding journey was fantastic and I was really saddened because my public health nurse has just retired um just this year Uh, Edna McGarrick is her name and she was just fantastic with Cahill just to go back to Cahill obviously it was first time mum I said we'll give it a lash we'll see how it goes and it was over the Christmas and I think one of the important things that I'd done was that I had a few of those little ready-made bottles Mm. but I put them down to my mum's house so I had nothing here in the house for feeding Only myself. So that should have happened at three o'clock in the morning, you know, I would still try and stick with it, or else I would be ringing my mum saying, Right, okay, mum, will you bring me over a few of those bottles instead? Now, 22nd of December, he delivered. 23rd, I came home. 24th, which is Christmas Eve, Etna came to me and spent three hours in my house on Christmas Eve to show me different positions. She was just amazing. She was absolutely fantastic. She texted me on Christmas Day to warn me about uh, the what you call it the broccoli or whatever the something that cabbage no the um brussels sprouts so when you eat brussels sprouts that it can just make the milk taste a little bit different for the baby and just like if they get a little bit irritated by it was her texts were just fantastic and i think she sent me like two or three texts on that day just kind of like you know hope all is okay the milk might be in now today you might be feeling a bit rough you know take your like it was really nice. Texted me again on Stephens' day and just said that she wasn't on, but there was another lady on and she gave me the number of it just in case I needed any emergency help that day. Um, and that she came to see me the day after Stephens' day. So that was 27th again. Um, the breastfeeding group is literally just around the corner from here. So I was able to walk. It's only about a three minute walk. But she came to me three times a week for the first three weeks um she was my public health nurse anyways but she was also she happened to be lactation consultant as well and she was a big advocate for breastfeeding and I told her that I wouldn't I there was many times that I was going to chuck in the breastfeeding, and you know I would just get that little text from her or I would get you know are you still okay for tomorrow and I'd be on track again it wouldn't be anything major none of my family breastfed um and there was definitely times when people were like would you not give the child a bottle and I was still adamant about no I really wanted to try this and I think once you get over the first three weeks of this absolute, you know, being that's just on you and needing you the whole time, get some sort of a routine established after the three weeks, as in the baby will get some sort of a routine themselves, like into it, and it might give you a little bit more of a leeway. It just it gets easier, it really does. And Edna was with me as well for Kuan, and she was also with me for Phelan as well. So I had I really did have a great breastfeeding journey, and I was so lucky. I fed. Cahill up until nearly a year um, and Kuan was about seven or eight months and then Fela was six months as well. So you
1: pumped then when you went back to work? After when I went time. back
2: to work I did yeah I did and I remember having um, <laughs> a debate with one of our consultants because they wanted me to do a 24-hour call now I'm not happy with 24-hour calls anyways. We used to work 36-hour shifts but we striked in 2013 to prevent ourselves doing 24 hour call it was called 24 no more so this was after 2013 obviously and um when I chatted with the consultant about it he was like no you knew, you have to do the 24 hour call he was very adamant about it and you know I quoted every European work and time directive but this that and the other no no you have to do team player all this sort of stuff and I just said look I'm still breastfeeding and he stuck himself to the chair and just said take that up with HR so my shift was allowed to be 15 hours instead so that I could be accommodated for I know it wasn't anything major like, but it was still it was kind of like a little win for me because I was like, mm. we should be doing 24 hour calls. But also, if I was to do 24 hour calls, that would mean that I would definitely miss two feeds. And I loved the feeds, like yeah. also that should never be the case that you have to give up breastfeeding to do a 24 hour call. So I was able to maintain that for the three months, anyways, after we had that discussion about the 24 hour call. because yeah,
1: it's hard, it's hard to, I think find the motivation to pump as well sometimes Do you know it's very yeah. easy to drop the feed and then your your milk drop you know it can be a bit messy yeah. so yeah yeah um, yeah it's also
0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Borough purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast
1: also outside that it's it's a shame that it was only due to you saying that you were breastfeeding that he said okay go on do you know
2: get it sorted. total change and it yeah. was like 15 seconds later, like you know that meeting was finished whereas I had just spent 10 minutes trying to plead with them not to let me that I didn't want to do a 24-hour call there was no need for a 24-hour call anyways but going back anyways the nursing staff that I worked with were probably the biggest support to me go back you know they were so fantastic because a lot of them were probably are the same age they had had babies they knew exactly mm. you know they knew all the legal stuff like about you, you're required a room this that and the other but sometimes that's not even applicable so you know some of the nurses would the nurse managers would give me their office whatever if I needed to or offered it to me and it was really really it was a nice little supportive group that I wasn't expecting um and especially when they found out that I was breastfeeding they were oh they were just really really nice about it
1: yeah kind of the, the underground support <laughs> group <laughs> that we all hold each other <laughs> up yeah definitely <laughs> um so then you're a third pregnancy so you decided to go down a I did
2: I did now before before Fela was even conceived um my friend Laura who is a midwife and she is a fantastic absolutely fantastic midwife she's I, I she's just one of these holistic midwives that are, oh, she's just amazing and i would never had a proper proper chat with her about her her work but she did go off to the UK to do community midwifery so I was chatting to her and I'll never forget where I was when I was chatting to her. I was sitting in my car afterwards and we were just chatting and she was saying about home births and she's hoping to kind of get into them over here in Ireland I was like ah stop like who's having home births over here um so then she Quoted loads of studies to me she's like would you not ever think about it i said absolutely not no the two things i would be most worried about is one is the pain and the second thing will be the mess the blood the absolute blood that we've lost in the last two pregnancies as as in i remember being in the shower after coon and thinking i've seen more blood you know in the shower that i have on a trauma floor in the recess room how is this even still possible and I, i just had visions of a home birth where you have blood splattered across the walls so she told me the evidence about this the uk birthplace study which has over what 65 000 births and so she was saying about the pain relief that you can easily get the, the gas and air at home the water bursts you know all this and it's the midwife's cocktail and then in relation to the blood she was showing me the evidence that actually blood loss is very much reduced in the home births and i was like all right mm-hmm. okay maybe so i had another little chat or two with her then we decided to go for a third one and um it was literally in my head from the get-go could this work about a home birth? And I kept chatting with Laura about it. So I think she knew she was on to a good thing with me. Um, she had joined up with private midwives here in Ireland, which is a private um, midwife group that offers the pre-hospital, or sorry, the pre-hospital home birth. But So it wasn't a HSC home birth. And I think that's important to say because HSC don't offer the home births in Mayo. They offer them in certain areas, but there was none in Mayo. So I was early pregnancy. I let Laura know. And um, as it happened, one of my really good friends just around the corner was three months ahead of me. So she actually went down the home birth route as well with Laura. <laughs> so there wasn't a home birth in Baladad. I'd say, for about 26 years. <laughs> a discount. For a friend of a friend. <laughs> there wasn't a home birth in about, I think, somebody said 26 years of that and all of a sudden there were two <laughs> just around the corner. So Laura... Uh, yeah so she was with this group called private midwives and um um i think i was really happy because cecilia my friend had went down that route so she was 3 months ahead of me so she was able to tell me all the steps of the process about what you have to do um so one of the biggest things cecilia's non medical she was telling me we had great discussions about the amount of negativity that people would say to you once and she said it quite early that she was having a home birth which it, you know made me not say it quite early to people because of the feedback that she got
1: mm-hmm.
2: um Bernard was very very cool and calm about it he, he what he said to me was actually you know I know you would never put us at risk so whatever you want to do and that was a really nice way because I had friends who would love to go down the whole route and the partners are very adamant and you know about risks etc uh, and I think I would never put my, I know I wouldn't put myself at risk. So I done the evidence in the background, checks on it. So I never told anybody really. And if I did in the hospital, I was always, always met with, oh, do you not remember the time we had that child, blah, blah, blah. And they would go on and they'd tell me all the story, but we're very biased in the hospital because we see the worst. We see people when they're at their their worst in the emergency department, the obscenity friends that I had, you know, they would see, the worst of the worst for deliveries etc because that's what their job is my pediatric pediatrician friends the exact same as well they're called to deliveries when there's trouble so we're very one-sided but we don't see all the other goodness that happens and all the normal Well, I don't like saying the word normal delivery but all the you know natural progressions and the deliveries of babies so I learned very quickly don't say it to many people um, and especially not to my consultants so my third time around my consultant was actually different and a uh, really really nice lady she had been in over Cecilia Cecilia had told me her response so I was actually really nervous about going into her she was very nice and she was pleasant about it with Cecilia Cecilia had a great home birth everything was perfect with it Laura had uh, delivered her as well so I was the next kind of like the log so 36 weeks it was one of my checks and I just said to the midwife um, there I was like look I really need to speak with the consultant because like, normally I would never want to go to the consultant unless I had something to say I was happy with midwives and the midwife led clinics would have been absolutely perfect for me um, and I said it to her that, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about having a home birth. Now, I had already paid for the home birth. And, you know, so th- there was no thinking about it. This is the way it was going down. The midwife was unbelievably supportive and she could tell that I was really nervous and she kind of took me to a side room and she was just so nice she had actually done a bit of training in England as well and she had said you know the amount of people that this is just such a natural progression you know sometimes in Ireland we can get a little bit sidetracked with things and you know it's all very much about uh, you know covering your bum and making sure that everybody is safe and dotting the eyes across crossing the teeth but not allowing this to actually be a natural process she was just she it was like she was giving me a talk before a boxing match or something like that she just really calmed me down and made me shoulders back go in say exactly what I had to say to the consultant yeah, yeah. exactly now I was actually, I was also on my own going to the antenatal um just because second third time round I was like no Bernard you don't need to come it's fine like so yeah. I said it to the consultant and her first reaction was like oh Lisa are you serious and then she actually caught herself straight away she goes I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. She goes, Um, she wasn't from she's not from Ireland, she's from Eastern European. And she said, I'm really sorry, this is you know very common back home, but I just don't feel the services are set up as it should be in the West of Ireland for it. So talk to me a little bit about it. Then when she knew that I was going down the same route as Cecilia, who she had, you know, went as well three months earlier, she I could see her visibly relaxing a little bit. Um, and I said to her, look, I'm not going to put any extra risks on me. If you feel that you know I'm not suitable for it, I'd like to hear out your opinions, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So she scanned me top to toe. Everything was perfect. Um, we made a plan that she still wanted to see me, which is very unusual because some of the consultants don't want to see you. She said she wanted to see me each week afterwards if I was OK with that um you know just to make sure that everything was going okay she was like look if you go over I don't want to let you go past 42 weeks and she gave me loads of evidence but I knew that as well and you know I was happy with that I you know I'm happy that I'm not going to put any more risk and I know that there's a bit of a risk after the 42 weeks so um like her reaction at the beginning was definitely not what she ended up being she was absolutely lovely and supportive we had a great yeah. 40 minute chat about things and she said because the last pregnancy with Cecilia, they had asked her if she would like to go and meet the Dom, the director of midwifery up in Caspar Hospital. Cecilia had a great chat with her. So Cecilia said, if that comes up, make sure you take it. So I was like, great, no bother at all. So about a week later, I went up to the director of midwifery and Laura came with me as well. We, it was just like having a cup of tea with a friend she was so lovely it's so supportive and she was saying you know you are the perfect candidate for a home birth you know you're not high risk you've had great deliveries before you know this is this is exactly what the home birth should be it's for you and she said it is a pity that we don't have a midwife flight that it's a pity we don't have the hsc home births in mayo um but she gave me her mobile number and she was like if you need anything you know i would like to know the day that you're going to be coming in sorry the plan was that hopefully everything going well, that I'd had my home birth and that I will come in the following day or the day afterwards for my potential MTD, um because I would need it again, and for um, oh, the baby check. So she gave me her mobile number and it was great, it was really, really nice. And I just felt so happy and so reassured. Laura then on the other hand, she was, um, I, I've known Laura for years, the midwife that was going to deliver, like she were in the order mall together, together like so we just had this really good friendship together you know my big thing that everybody kept saying to me was about the risks that once they knew that I was going to have in the home birth um we live right beside the ambulance space here in balada I'm about 35 minute drive from Caspar hospital and um, I think this is probably the safest street in balada because we have lots of voluntary EMTs and like I said, I'm right beside the ambulance base here. So she told me the whole setup that happens beforehand that if there's a planned home birth that happens in the community, the National Ambulance Service is alerted to it. So they would always have an advanced paramedic or a critical care crew at least around that area. Once I go into labor, Laura will let them know, she lets the labor ward know as well, so that they will have an idea to keep around the area. And should anything go wrong with the maternal um, delivery and the paediatric, that trumps everything else. So that that is your. Absolute critical care emergency. So I would know that should I need it, the time, you know, I would have the interventions there. I would have the assistance there, and the thirty-five-minute drive on normal time to Castlebar, you know, you'd make that easily in twenty minutes. And even the prep time didn't to have to go to theatre if should anything happen. So I, I had all this thought out that if anything was to go wrong, you know, this is it, it was fine. I'm in a safe environment. If you're in the hospital and something is going wrong, you still have that time to be able to get to theatre. So it's not like literally everything is just down two of us to the straight theater it still have to, you have to be consented you have to have the team assembled you have to have you know everything has to be done and it still takes about that 20 minutes to get over to the theater so anyways i'm happy with the whole risk part of it anyways and um yeah so we went down the whole birth route then
1: <laughs> and did you feel conscious of um, this baby being okay as well uh,
2: nope because i think with the other one with the other two i i was well experienced at this now I had experienced what the labour had started like which was not the contractions at the front it was kind of the lower back pain etc so I was very happy that I was kind of knowing what to expect if that makes sense even though you, you, you never know I suppose but like I was going down the same as then
1: so then you want to talk us through the last few weeks so you, you were seen by the consultant then weekly and then you obviously had your checkups with Laura yeah. as well
2: Yeah, so everything was going absolutely swimmingly. around 39 weeks. Um, I remember my husband was actually due to go to France for the weekend for the Order of Malta. Um, And I was absolutely fine with that. This is the week before baby, and there wasn't a meg. there was no, I had a bit of Braxton Hicks, but nothing major. It's like, you could go, absolutely no problem. And I was not worried in any way about him going. And we had already talked about, should anything happen, you know, your route to come back. So that Friday morning kissed him he was way off at six o'clock in the morning the flight was later on that day I'd say he hadn't even gotten 20 miles up the road and I had a bit of a show I was like oh that's a bit unusual like and I I was fine there was no pressure no pain no nothing by the time he got into Dublin I had had a lot more of a show so I rang Laura and I was like I have absolutely no pain but what's this about um and I had rang the husband as well to tell him and he was like okay do you want me to turn around and I was like (sighs) I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. like you can lose it for yeah, you can lose it for about a week beforehand, it's fine. So eventually he was in Dublin Car Park, Dublin Airport car, park, and he turned around, he was like, No, it's grand, I'll I'll come home then. So we, we chatted about it and we were saying, because I, I felt really guilty then because I was like, I have no pain, I'm nothing like you know, there's nothing going on except just lost the show. That I actually booked it. I said to one of my friends who does reflexology, I've never had reflexology before. I was like, is there any chance you could take me tonight? Because this has started. I can't feel guilty. I want, to, I definitely want something to happen this weekend because I feel like you've lost a weekend. And we kind of chat about it. We were saying that maybe, you know, there was a bit of a subconscious thing with me that I was actually, that I actually was a little bit worried about him go. But I swear I, I had no feeling at all that I was worried. So I had the reflexology that night and I woke up in the morning and I knew that that was going to be the day that I was okay. going to deliver. Yeah, because I had a few niggles. Um nothing major I said nothing to Bernard about it until we were down for breakfast you always go on a Saturday morning we used to always go out for breakfast with the boys I was in the, sh- the coffee shop downtown and I was contracted away and I knew it um and he was like you okay and I was like no no I you know today's going to be the day now this is about 10 o'clock in the morning and it was great the kids were in flying form nobody knew anything except Bernard and myself so one of my big things that I wanted to do is make sure that I had <laughs> enough candles and kind of enough like cheese and crackers and grapes and like little home things you know to have them there Um. so I said I'm gonna go off and do a few little bits of pieces and you know you could go to the park boys or whatever it's like grand stuff so, so we, had, we had two different cars so I remember driving back then it was about 12 30 um just the traffic lights inside my house and I got an awful belt of a contraction and um, thankfully the lights were red because I was like I would I would have been stuck to the floor there's no way I would have been able to drive with that so I was like okay that's my sign to yeah. get in get yeah. into my pajamas you know get home so my mum came then probably around two o'clock and I, I've definitely you know contracted away when I say it, but I've also kind of counted the the times between it because it wasn't that regular and it is quite irregular anyways with the OP but I just knew I was happy to sit on the ball there was some what rugby match was on it was some Ireland versus Scotland or something like that or you know nothing major Mum came around 2 o'clock anyways and she was like, oh, I'll take the boys for the evening. She knew nothing as well and didn't want to say anything to her either. Oh, you're so good. Um, I would have been like, ma'am, I'm in labour. No, because <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> no, it, it worked out really nice because I didn't want anybody to know anything yeah. that was going on because I don't like all that invasion that I've texted. And my sister would have been the first one over to say, hi, do you want anything? I just called her for a cup of tea. And I, I and I knew that things were going to happen and I just didn't want them around. So, ma'am actually ended up taking the boys to the cinema, I remember. And... Um, myself and burned her hair and it was just it was a great hour crack like we just had so much we were watching dumb believables we were in flyer form and then probably around six o'clock she brought the boys back um and I said that's grand." now you know ma'am oh anytime soon ha 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 like you know me bounced on the ball but she knew nothing about it now she said afterwards she knew I was a labour but like I think <laughs> she was going to say that anyways um so I rang Laura then and Laura just lives right beside me so she's the midwife and I said to her you know do you want to come in and just have a little look just in case for the night you know I don't want to disturb you you know for the night time so Laura came in and she examined it I was four centimeters and I was like oh wow you know because I was always stuck at the three centimeter mark beforehand and I definitely didn't feel like I was four centimeters you know I was happy out you know a bit of pain Mm. every now and again but everything was grand the boys went to bed we had we had supper so Laura stayed around um and I spoke with her afterwards and she said she knew that I was going to go a little bit quicker. So that's why she stayed around because so I kept scooting her. I was like, you know, seriously, you could go home now. Oh, her, her partner, oh. I was like, own oh, want to be looking for you. She's like, no, Lisa, she I just have another cup of tea with you here or whatever. Uh, actually, Caddy kind of Coke. She doesn't even drink tea. But she, she was just, she was around, but I never even caught why she was staying around. So we had our supper, put the kids to bed around half seven, quarter to eight. And I remember I was, so my contractions were seven minutes apart then because I was reading the book to them, Bernard and myself. And, you know, I'd have to take the breather every now and again. Cahill was, how old was he then? Like he was four, four, five nearly at that stage, or just gone five. So he knew that the baby was going to come that night and Kuan, who was two and a half, three, couldn't give a flying feck about what was going on. Um, So Cahill kind of said to me, you know, if the baby comes tonight, will you let me know? And we're like, oh yeah, okay, grand. So we say goodnight at quarter to eight and um, I said to Laura and Bernard, I'm going up for a bath. Went up for a bath anyways and... I knew myself I ramped up in the contractions very quickly while I was in the bath. And um, but saying that, I was very happy to be on my own. I'm a big Gaelic football fan, and Mayo and Cavill were playing in the league as so the matches on downstairs. And Bernard was every now and again would just tell me what the score was mm-hmm. in the match. And I was happy with that. I didn't want, I just felt this real I wanted to be on my own. Um and I was very happy switching away in the water. So Laura came up at one stage to me and um she asked me was I okay and I you know did I want to come out maybe you know if I wanted to come out and come downstairs and I it was perfect time and I was like you know actually I do feel like I need to get out but Laura had said that she, you know she was listening to me which I didn't realize because I was obviously swishing around in the bath whenever she was outside kind of just every now and again coming up to me she said she could hear again her experience of the community midwifery she was just she told me all this afterwards there's a line that you could get in labour that goes up um, from your bum back up to your back so I think it's called Yeah. Now she actually took a picture of it that evening for me. Um and I've told her she could use it whatever she wants because it actually she could see. I didn't know it at the time or whatever, but I was well on my way. I was nearly 10 centimeters, like according to that line. But she said also your the guttural sound and my groans were changing now. I'm not a screamer by any means, like, but I was just having this scream what did she call it? Like um, it's like kind of like a feral kind of growl that I had. And she said she could hear that change. And so she knew that I was well on my way. Um So that's why she came up and kind of decided to see what I like to come down or whatever because she knew that things were going to happen. That was about five past eight. So I came downstairs anyways. um, I had just like a wee little mighty on me. And my feelings, I just still wanted to be on my own. So I wanted to be in somewhere cold. So I came out here into the kitchen, onto the tiles floor. And Bernard and Laura was still in there watching the match. And I I remember Bernard at one stage coming out and kind of like, putting the table where I had the grapes, like a little coffee table, just tiny little thing, just kind of putting it in front of me while I was on all fours and just kind of walking back into the sitting room because <laughs> he wanted to watch the rest of the But I was happy with that again because I was just happy to be on my own.
1: And how did you feel pain-wise? Because remember you said that you, you were nervous about the pain.
2: No, I like I, I was coping so well. And I was just about to say it actually because I remember at one stage Laura came out and like, I needed to push my head against her, kind of like as in this anti-pressure. And then she said, you know, do you want to try a bit of gas and air? I, had, I swear or I had totally forgot about the gas and air. I had ordered two cylinders of gas and air for fear that I like, for the pain. So I was like, yes, I would. Yeah. So we went into the sitting room anyways. And um, this is probably around quarter past eight or so. And th- this part of it was just the most amazing part of it, because I remember it so well that my water still hadn't gone at this stage. I kind of went into this kind of panic mode because I said, you know, I actually think I feel like I need to push. And she was like, "Okay, Grant, just listen to your body." I was like, "But Laura, my, my waters have gone. You haven't examined me." And she was like, "Put your hand down." And the baby's head was there. I got like seriously, I got such a fright. Like she she obviously knew that this has happened. She could see it. But I just was like, "Wait a minute. What sort of stuff is this? this? This like you know this is only two hours really after getting into labor. This is ridiculous. This doesn't happen." Um, and she said, she was just like, "You know, just concentrate now on the baby coming down. And you know, close your eyes and imagine what's it like." And I closed my eyes and I had the most, this could going to sound so cheap, but I remember saying it to Laura, like this is just freaky. I had the most amazing vision in my head. And I mean, I've been watching the TV. So when you close your eyes, you know you see the background of the TV. And David Goff was the name of the referee. He was still on the screen. But I had the most amazing image of a baby. Like what you see in a textbook is in the, the womb to the side of the baby coming out. And I just would, Laura, what sort of voodoo was that? And she was like, just go with it, Lisa. And I remember I just positioned myself on the on my knees over kind of the edge of the couch. And she stuck the gas in there into my mouth because I wanted to have it. Now, she set up a little Inco sheet. Bernard was wanted to, um, I don't like say deliver, but wanted to catch yeah. the baby, you know, the first. And so Laura was going to facilitate him. So she was kind of getting him ready for that part of it. And I took about five puffs out of the um, gas and air, and I remember it fell onto the floor. But I was so stuck to the couch. And I remember thinking, sure, I might as well have fell to China because I have no hope of getting that because I was just absolutely in this position. And I could feel that that was it. She was just literally about to come out. Um, and she did. So, 25 past eight, she was born mm-hmm. onto the sitting room floor with the um, fire literally just out of simmer. It, end of the Gaelic football match, Mayo won. It was just. The most amazing, amazing, amazing experience. And I remember looking down at the Inko sheet afterwards. Sorry, my water just went, just as she was coming out. So that was my next kind of like fear was gone, that there wasn't going to be a mess. But the Inko sheet had like a few trickles on it. Like there was nothing major. There was not definitely the handprint that I thought that was going to be going across the wall. It was just amazing. I said the Queen could have came in herself and I would have thanked for her help that day because I was just overwhelmed. Like it was the most amazing experience where was crying I was crying Laura was crying everything was like amazing um so yeah mm-hmm. that was that was Fela. it was really nice um the aftermath of it then I remember Laura said to me I was still kneeling like nearly 10 minutes later I was still on the floor like holding the baby and we left the placenta attached and she said now sit up now on the couch and I remember looking I her going what I'm not destroying the couch but she had a shower curtain already prepared for me to go up and a few of the we had extra towels and bits and pieces so she had everything kind of set up I didn't even realize she had done right in front of me so I set up anyways we had the most amazing picture of us sitting together um now it's on my Instagram, but you can't see it from my waist down. But you can just see her all wrapped up. But, like, if you look at it from the waist down, like, it's a different story altogether. Like, but it's it's the most amazing picture. It's just a beautiful picture of us all wrapped up yeah. together. Um, so I was still attached anyways. And she said, right... Oh, by the way, sorry, I totally forgot. I had a pool ready to go upstairs. But everything kind of went so quickly. I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> everything went so quickly that we didn't really have time to fill it, per se. Um, so Bernard just we had a bit of water in it before kind of I did for the bath so Bernie just kind of topped it up we had all the hose and everything like that there so she was like do you want to go upstairs to deliver the placenta?" I was like okay grand now I was waiting for the horrendous afterbirth pains because I'd heard so much about it so I was kind of like freaking myself up for it went into the pool anyway still attached and um it was probably about 45 minutes later Cahill actually came up so Bernard went down and got Cahill to wake him up to see if he wanted to come in to see the baby, so Cahill was there, Burl was there, Laura was there, and I was in the pool with Fela. And I remember saying, like, I, I was getting the little bits of contractions, nothing major, um, but I, like, I couldn't deliver. Like, I, I just felt I couldn't coordinate the pushing of the placenta, and, you know, trying to get everything out. So she, we decided to cut the cord at that stage because it was well white. And um, so she said, why don't you give me Fela, and you go into the bathroom? and I was like and do what like and she was like just sit on the bathroom on the toilet so she'd already bowl put in like one of those little um you know the big blue bowls into the toilet and she hadn't even closed the door and I'd sat down and the placenta just slipped out and she said to me that from the experience that she's had delivering the placenta in front of people yeah. is actually quite tough for women and they had this kind of primal thing of where they just want to be on their own and there was no push; it literally just slipped out, and I was like, "This is just amazing." I went in for a shower, and I remember looking at the shower floor, and there was like no blood, like nothing compared to what I'd seen before. We had the new bed clothes on, and this is probably now about maybe half nine, quarter to ten at this stage, or no, maybe about half nine. So everything was kind of ready in the bed, and we were just sitting there. And it was just amazing. And my one thing that I'd said to Bern was like, "I really wanted to take away <laughs> the Chinese." Mm-hmm. And the Chinese closed at 10 o'clock. So I was like, get on the phone quick. (laughs) Get the Chinese. And Laura had a Chinese. And we had a Chinese at 10 o'clock that night.
1: And there's a picture
2: again. And there's a picture again on the Instagram of me. Literally just, what, two hours, an hour and a half after having a baby, having a shower and having a selfie over the table Mm -hmm. uh, with all the Chinese on it. And it was just amazing. It was great. We went to bed that night. And then the next morning, we told nobody. um, The next morning, we woke up and... Kahal and Kuan both came up. Kahal couldn't remember seeing her the night before, so it was like seeing the same reaction over again, which is lovely. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and Kuan, <laughs> they were just, um, they were just absolutely so happy. So I think it was probably about eleven or twelve o'clock that day that we finally sent out the text to told people that she was here, and I had one of my chairs in the sitting room, and that was my chair, and that's where I stayed for like nearly three weeks like and I was going nowhere. People could come and go if they wanted to. They could make their own tea. And I was very adamant if you didn't like me breastfeeding the boobs out, there's the door, out you go. But um yeah, it was great. It was really good. So it was definitely do you the think, best one, I think. Yeah, I was gonna ask yeah. and do you oh, think
1: if you were to have another baby, you'd have another home birth.
2: Uh, I've said it to <laughs> Laura, yeah, absolutely. I'd definitely go down the home birth route again. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully all if the pregnancy went okay, there was no risks. Yeah and people will always say to me because I'm a doctor and I went for a home birth it must be something different but I just can't describe and you know to tell the difference between a hospital birth and uh, even a midwife led birth mm. you know there's so much evidence to show as soon as you go to hospital labour will start slowing down you know you don't you've uh, increased risk for forceps increased risk for interventions and this is from a group if, if anybody is listening to this just look up the UK birthplace study and people say, well, that's not what we have in Ireland. We are very much the same demographics. Mm. And there are people that have, um, you know, longer distances to travel. People think that there's a hospital in every street corner in the UK. You know, it's a really good study to show the differences between having a birth that has very minimal intervention um, and the evidence behind it as well. The laughing, so watching unbelievables believables and laughing, the endorphins, you know, that you literally laugh your way through the contractions. And yes, it was a little bit painful or whatever, but it was the patch on my other two that I had when I was in the hospital and in that medical environment, cannula in me, um, the name tag on you, and just feeling like you are a patient. And my midwives were lovely. Mm. But, you know, knowing that what happened to a i sitting there feeling that need to push while his head was there and not having, not being able to kind of... Follow it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There was absolutely no difference, you know, the, no comparison because this time around I was pushing that was it it was you know there was nobody to tell me no Laura was very do what you feel you need to do and this is it now sorry I would also say that Laura monitors you the whole way around the whole time that you're there she has you don't have a CTG trace, which is absolutely fine they have their own ways of monitoring for heart rates you know the progression steps throughout the labour etc she we spoke at length about it afterwards and she was telling me all the signs the clinical signs which I absolutely love about if labour was stalling, if there was any sort of intervention versus somebody who's progressing very well. Uh, normally there are two midwives that um uh attend a home birth from private midwives. Laura had arrived at six o'clock, she knew I was going to be going quick enough, anyways. She texted the other lady at I think it was around half six, and she was coming from Port Leash. So she was kind of she had an idea that she might make it in time, but she let her know anyway. So she was actually en route, which I didn't realise. And when she told me afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, the poor lady's going to be traveling at nighttime, you know, make sure that she's, you know, she can go back, tell her to stop, like, but um, yeah, that was it. It was great.
1: If you'd like to share your story, you can pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under Ireland's Birth Stories. I look forward to bringing you another episode tomorrow.
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST
0: for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.